Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 54 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we are talking with the lovely Julian Byrne, founder of JillianByrne.com, certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner by the Institute of Integrated Nutrition and Integrated, I said it right, nutrition. Jillian has completed continuing education hours in functional blood chemistry, which is really cool, thyroid, brain chemistry, and the neuroendocrine immunology of environmental factors, Lyme disease, and co-infections, as well as detoxification. She's done a lot of continuing education. Good, I like that. I know. We're going to pick her brain. (laughs) Yes, we are. We are incredibly excited to talk with her, but first, just a few things. If, of course, you missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcast, you can easily download and listen to them at your leisure on iTunes. Uh, and stay tuned as we turn each show into an article that you can easily listen to uh, and easily reference. That's very cool. Yes, that's on the list to do. Uh, there's, there's the <laughs> list that I have of things to do is really, really long, so... <laughs> I'm going to be looking into more virtual assistants uh, pretty soon. But we're going to talk about Jillian's story, and she's got some great uh, tips that, that, you know, you don't even think of every day that are very, you know. No, this is a very, helpful, very cool show. Right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, so what? Okay. It, what? It looks like she's with us, so let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Fabulous. Good morning, Jillian. Can you hear us okay? Good morning. I can. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really honored to be here talking with you both. Well, well awesome. thank you. Can you hear me okay? <clears throat> yeah, oh, we can hear you perfect. Okay, you may hear a bit of the city in the background, too. I apologize for that. So you are in New York City. I am. I live and work downtown just by Washington Square, and I work up by the Flatiron Building. Oh, wow. I, I saw on your website that you have three locations. Is that true? I do. On 56th Street, I collaborate with a dentist, a holistic dentist, and then I have an office right here by uh, Washington Square Park, and then I work with um, some physical therapy uh, practitioners up on 22nd Street. Yeah, so I'm kind of all over the city. <laughs> oh, I, that is so cool. I love that. Yeah, What's the weather like today in New York? It's not bad. It's a little. It's it's not snowing. It's not raining, but it's uh about sixty. Oh, that nice. sounds nice. nice day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely lighter coat weather. It's not tremendously sunny today, but um, but it's but it's nice not to be buried in six inches of snow. <laughs> so where are you from? <laughs> I just got back from Portland. Oregon as well, so it was beautiful out there. I, I was there for like the three days of sunshine that they have every year. <laughs> right. Oh, right. That's so funny. People kept pointing um, out to me, which I thought was really cute. Right. Where Where are you originally from, Jillian? I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. I'm a Buckeye fan. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Well, you didn't really have a New York accent, so I wanted to, I wanted no. to check that out. Because it was funny, we were talking to Amy last week. Thank you for connecting us. She was fabulous. What a doll! We had such a great mm-hmm. time. Love and her. She, Love uh, her book. She, she 
every now and again you could hear her accent, but it wasn't it wasn't very strong. So it's always interesting to talk to you know people because we've had people on from New Zealand and uh, Denmark and all over. So it's it's really kind of fun. So I love to hear everybody's accent. And you know it's kind of funny because you know I live here in Costa Rica, and the Ticos that's what they called themselves. That's what they're referred to as the Ticos say in Costa Rica that they can tell where people are from in Costa Rica because they all have accents. Okay, now oh, that's wow. just way out of my league. There's no <laughs> way. I mean, Spanish to me is Spanish, and I can't, I mean, I'm barely able to speak it. You know, my son's fluent, my daughter's fluent. But, you know, no way could I decipher, you know, different, you know, oh, goodness, it's so funny, different accents. So, anyway, sorry I got off on a tangent, but thought it was kind of cool. They're like, no, no you can tell so true. You can you can totally tell, you know, they're, this person's from Limon and this person's from Guanacaste. I'm like, okay, next. <laughs> so, English people are like that. They can here, do that. The yeah, I've been here for 20 years, and um, I was married to a Brit. So sometimes oh. I can swing a little uh, English. <laughs> and my kids had speech therapy with a girl from Long Island, so my ex-husband used to always say, why do they sound like they're from Long Island? <laughs> That's funny. That is kind of like, funny. Oh, <laughs> so you can pull on your British accent if you have to, right? I can, but I don't drink anymore, and it would usually just slip out when I was drinking. Yeah. Party trick? What can I get? <laughs> I can't even do it now on the pressure. Maybe I'll try at some point during the interview to do it. But yeah, yeah. when well, you throw it out there, it's normally when I'm with other Brits, I go from being sort of this nice central Ohio girl to. Um, <laughs> Kensington Palace and and one glass oh, of champagne. <laughs> That's great. How fun. So, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's one way to Let's travel. Your story. Oh, gosh. It's Let's very helpful story. for traveling if you don't want people to Yes, see absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway. Well, yeah, you have so, kind of a unique jump into your field. So tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so I grew up with a diagnosis of ADD. And, you know, now I've gone back and I've connected all the dots about all the trauma and inflammation from my childhood. Um, But I had ADD. I had chronic sinusitis. I had a bit of scoliosis. I actually had surgery on my legs to try to stop the growth of one leg so that my spine would even out. I mean, the things they come up with are just crazy. Um, I've had oh my, my sinuses scraped. I had about eight amalgams that at one point I had removed. So there was a there was an immune issue. There was an inflammation issue, um, which I now get really clearly. Um, I try not to talk to my mom about it too much because she gets a little sensitive about it. All the wonderful oh. things she did for me, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, right, that's these true. These things were so wonderful, you know, because I took Ritalin every day for eight years, and so oh, it's wow. a lot of chronic exposure to, to, um, you know, a, a toxin, in my my opinion. Um, right. Although very helpful for some kids and much needed for some kids, so I'm not not putting it down as a as a tool. But I think now I understand that diet and lifestyle, um, such a bigger tool that we can really tap into. Um, 
And there's really no money. Yeah, there's no money to be made in growing or selling food. It's all made in the manufacturing of food. And in order to reap as much profit as you possibly can, those products have to stay on the shelf for as long as possible so that more people can buy them. And if they're just, you know, perishable products cost grocery stores a lot of money because if somebody doesn't come in and buy them that day and they have to throw them out, they're obviously losing money. So I totally understand from an economic standpoint how we got to the situation we're in, um, but I really base my practice here in New York City, country with people on Skype, on teaching them how to flip the ratio of processed food to manufactured food and I, or to, of whole foods to manufactured foods. And I really use myself and my story as an example. I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of work done by Dr. Feingold about diet and ADD about the time that I was diagnosed and going through the process of um, being put on Ritalin. But nobody really understood food to the degree that we really understand it now, um, or at least I understand it now. And I think it's really becoming more mainstream. I do feel like when gluten-free became a, a product that was advertised, Suddenly, everybody was like, oh, let's talk about this. Maybe this isn't just a fad. Maybe this isn't something just for celiacs. Maybe it really does correlate to our health, what we're eating. And, of course, Mark Hyman just came out with a new book, Eat Fat, Get Thin. So we're starting to uh, re-look at our relationship with fat and, kind of, and, and just nutrients in general and understand Terry Walls has done, I think, an amazing job breaking down some barriers um, with her story on MS and healing herself with a whole foods diet, nine cups of vegetables a day, three cups of the greens, three cups of colorful, three cups of sulfur. I mean, she's just been an amazing role model for people who were looking for something in that direction, um, a way to use food as a healing tool. And she was certainly one of the first um, people that I followed uh, trying to get more information about diet and how it was affecting my health. And I have to admit, <laughs> I mean, I grew up on Aunt Jemima, everything, Tang, and we weren't allowed to oh, coke except on the weekends. But we certainly had, you know, tricks and lucky charms and maybe on a good day Cheerios. But, of course, if you're sensitive to wheat and dairy, not a great combination. So, um, right. And then, of course, I put my kids on all those foods originally, um, but my son had a extended belly, like he had a beer belly. And I just remember thinking, what would be driving that in a one-and-a-half-year-old? He doesn't drink alcohol, so why would he have a beer belly? Like, what is that? And that was sort of a turning point for me um, mm. with him. We had a lot of issues. He was born at 34 weeks, I think probably because I had undiagnosed issues at that time and wasn't really nutritionally sound in that pregnancy. I feel very fortunate that he's the healthy, happy, thriving child today that he is because I work with so many families that have had, um, you know, have a different story. I'm very empathetic to that story as well. Having uh, My second daughter was born at 34 weeks too, and I got pregnant with her six months after he was born. So I really went back-to-back to wow. pregnancies which are very wow. depleting anyway, was probably already depleted going into them and probably picked up something with my daughter in the hospital, probably SIBO, because 
nobody ever tested me, but um, I got very sick, gassy, crampy, um, bloated after she was born. And at the same time, my sister-in-law in England was diagnosed with um, gluten sensitivity. So I started looking into that and started taking probiotics. I remember going to Whole Foods at Union Square and picking up these strange probiotic things and just started taking them and they made me feel so much better. And I thought, wow, what is this? And Mm -hmm. I just started doing the research and was amazed at everything that I found. And just then, of course, (laughs) went home and I said, that's it. We're not eating anything from a box anymore. (laughs) And that was, you know, an incredible journey too, because it's a, it's a lot of work to prepare every meal. And at one point I went raw vegan and that was really for me when a lot of my issues <clears throat> started. That was actually, I think, what flipped me into the diagnosis of Hashimoto's. I really need fat and protein. I'm a right. type the of blood. It sounds like that yeah, was the that last was it. Oh, was yeah. Way too far to the extreme. I mean, we went to a trip to India and um, we're staying at wonderful hotels and just had amazing fresh food every day. And I came home to New York in the winter and I thought, I'm going to keep this going. I'm going to keep eating mango salads in the middle of winter. And, um, you know, the next winter I was just walking around freezing. I mean, I'd walk outside if it was 60 degrees and my teeth would chatter. Um, And it, it was a long way back to really kind of understand that I needed a lot of meat a lot of red meat, a lot of duck fat, a lot of lard, tallow, a lot of avocado to to get my body to heal and bring it back to a place where um, my my autonomic nervous system could actually easily flip back and forth between sympathetic and parasympathetic and do its job functionally to, to support me. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, That's a flower field moment right there. Yeah, it I mean, there's... <laughs> I know I've taken in like just what you were saying about all the study that I've done. I mean, I've done this all in like five or six years because I was really at home. I was an interior designer uh, right before I got pregnant with my son and I'd worked in beauty and fashion in New York. That's what brought me to New York. And, um, but man, did I dig into the research after my son was born and we, you know, he had sort of that typical pattern. He had the extended belly. He had eczema. He then got, uh, he had seizures after he had his second shot of the MMR. Um, his eyesight, he got diagnosed with strabesia. Um, he has very little depth perception and tracking problems. I mean, he's a cute kid and, and you would never know it from looking at him. But when I started looking under the surface with him, he was kind of a mess and we were paralleling at the same time because as I was figuring all this stuff out for myself, right? I realized a lot of it was happening for him. And there was a, uh, the final straw that broke the camelback, camelback was we have a, we had a second home out in the Hamptons and in our basement, there was mold and this mold was just quietly growing and eating the drywall mm-hmm. and getting bigger and bigger with the hurricane and um, we weren't there but on the weekends and in the summer and so if you leave your thermostat really low which we thought we were really smart in doing because it was saving us money on oil the humidity will build up in your house on a warm day 
And if you're not there to open the windows and ventilate the house, then moisture builds up. And that moisture was just feeding this black mold. And then we would go out for the weekend. And I never felt well out there. I would, I would joke that really? I would go from Mary Poppins to Joan Crawford and, like, you know, just one trip down the LIE. <laughs> for some reason, I just couldn't handle That's the... That's an interesting I thought example. It was, <laughs> I like, I like why am I always screaming at everybody at the beach? And then we come back to the city and I'm fine. Well, <laughs> we were living, because the beach is so great, right? We're going out there to relax and play, and I'd just right, be so right. stressed. And, um, oh, wow. and, and my son finally, the, you know, for him, the, the last straw for me was he got this rash, this yeast, this rototolerulia that was growing on his face, under his eye. I have a picture of it. It's oh, so wow. dramatic. It was all over his body at one point. And, um, I would go to dermatologists after dermatologists, and they would prescribe and prescribe and prescribe. And then finally a dear friend of mine, Steve Janopoulos, who is a D.C., please just put the kid on an elimination diet. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll do it. You, you think that's the right thing to do? I'll do it. I don't know how I'm going to get him to eat all these real foods, but I'm going to do it. And within six weeks, everything cleared up, and he was fine. <laughs> And so when I was doing this as well, and I started to feel better, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, all these strange symptoms that I'd had all my life, the ADD, the inability to focus, gone, which really opened the door for me to then jump in and do all this research and take all this continuing education. And it was almost like I'd been held back my whole life, and now suddenly nutrition had given me a, a second chance at doing what I felt very passionately about. So I, I just have made it my my work and my life, and it's really interesting. It's really great. It's been a very positive experience for me. Well, I want to know, I know that um, in your bio it says you were uh, kind of accidentally um, diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Can you tell us where about in, the, and in your story uh, that that falls in? Yeah, it was Steve Janopoulos, actually, who I mentioned, because we were both working at the Hollowell Center, uh, which Ned Hollowell has written tons of books, Driven to Distraction. He's all about ADD. And when I initially changed to a raw vegan diet, I got very clear-headed from that um, and went and spoke to Ned and said, hey, you know, this diet change has really had a profound effect on my ADD. I'm not eating any processed foods anymore. I'm just eating whole foods and I'm eating a lot of vegetables and juicing a lot. And he said, that sounds phenomenal. I want you to come do that for my clients. And so I, I started working for him and he brought Steve on at the same time so that we could have a, a more integrative approach. And Steve was working with people from a functional medicine standpoint. And he's actually who got me into all of the APEX seminars because at the time I was an integrative health coach, but I wasn't, um, they, they didn't allow health coaches to take those classes. Um, so Steve vouched for me. <laughs> and he said to me, have you ever had a full panel of blood work done? And I said, no, you know, I don't even, I don't even remember the last time I had blood work done. Maybe, maybe when the kids, when Maggie or Henry were born, I mean, I just had them at that point. And he said, well, let me give you a blood requisition form. You can go to the lab and, you know, see what comes back. And I thought, okay, I'll get around to this. And I put it in a drawer and I forgot about it. And then when I crashed on the raw vegan diet, I grabbed that blood rack and I took it in and had my blood work done. And he called me about a week later and said, welcome to the club. 
you have Hashimoto's. He said, but you're really lucky because you're at the very beginning stages. Thyroid is fine and your, your levels are really low. He said, come in and talk to me and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do to maintain that. So I was so fortunate that the universe put me where it did because I followed his advice and I started, I did mastering thyroid. I did the, um, you know, the, the immune system. I did all of these different courses to really learn how to maintain that. Um, and then, you know, as my story has played out, I've also gone deeper and found other variables that weren't being taught that I feel are so important. Um, to recovery as well, or to just maintaining optimal health. Jillian, did you also have, uh, do you remember what your levels were, like your antibodies or your TSH? Do you remember what? We always like to ask just to, you know, for perspective yeah. for Dan and I. Do you, do you remember? And my TSH was 1.7. Oh, wow. And so you my, were so very much. So like on the lower side. I mean, right. Karazian's range is 1.8 to 3. Right. So I was just, slightly on the hyper side. And then right. um, my my antibodies were like 58. Okay, so, so no, doc, no endocrinologist would have touched that. No, no, no they, they were not. Did you have any other, other nutrient deficiencies? You did. I have, well, you, I did have very high iron. Do um, you have hemochromatosis? So, Are you a carrier for that? or Nope, nope. It just um, sometimes you can stack iron as part of a thyroid issue. Um, it's a, more of a methylation issue. Right. I have MPHFR. Um, yeah. So did you have it, any it like very, B12 or or vitamin D or other you know megablastic? Yes, I have on top of that. Mm, yep, I have megablastic anemic. So I started doing the uh, methylated B12. Mm-hmm. I did B12 shots. I kind of went the rounds with B12 trying to figure out what turned the lights on. <laughs> Same with probiotics. I think I've tried every probiotic and kind of journaled out what it did for me. Um, <laughs> oh, did you? And, and couldn't really do fermented foods because I had a histamine issue. So they, I never felt well. Probiotics definitely work better for me than fermented foods, and that's just the way it goes for some people because of the histamine. For me too. Yeah. Um, I was stung by a yellow jacket when I was about, I don't know, 20 months old and almost died, um, which should have been a big sign to everybody that something was off with my immune system right there. But I was desensitized. You know, they do that allergy desensitizing. And so they just turned off the histamine response in my body. Um, so that's been an interesting kind of recovery as that's come back online and I don't get um net today I don't have any issues I got stung the other day and I called my dad and he said hang up and call the emergency room right and I said right. no it's not like that anymore I'm totally fine <laughs> you know no, my my family is funny I I was stung at seven very similar situation and and uh my family panics anytime there's a bee around me and I'm like don't you know I mean everyone's swatting and I'm like don't swat <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. How, well, I mean, I'm sure for our parents, you know, our parents are, you know, they have to go through that with us. So 
a bee sting has a very different meaning for them than it does for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were two times. I'm 20 months old, I got stung. And then again, in eighth grade out in the softball field during gym class once, I got stung and had, you know, passed out in the field and had to be rushed to the hospital. And yeah, so it was really very serious. But, you know, it was amazing. It was just a sign. I see it now. It's just a sign that my bucket was full. My tolerance was full. Um, and I really think it was probably pregnancy that pushed me over or something about the C-section or something that pushed me over and the diet change probably to um, to the Hashimoto's or I don't know. I, I, I never was tested before, so I don't know what my thyroid levels were before. And that, right. that to me is shocking. I feel like when you go in for your annual, I, it just would make sense to be doing more blood work. So, I mean, you can only imagine that my kids... <laughs> get a oh, lot of great. work done. Yes, they <laughs> do. Right. And they're mine very too. good sports about it. Right, mine too, fortunately. Well, my one is, well, two of them are good about it. What's interesting is the little one is good about it. My 14-year-old and my and my 10-year-old, they like, I don't think so, you know. But there's nothing that's blaring yet that, you know, uh, that I would do that for. But my, uh, my 12-year-old daughter, she's had, you know, she's, She's basically been vampired because <laughs> they thought she had lupus. And, you know, she just has lots of different symptoms that are really, really associated with what she eats. But she's 12, and um, we're, go- we're yeah. taking on that battle. <laughs> you yeah. know, I like to kind of allow them, unfortunately, to, you know, sort of feel the negative effects when they don't eat properly uh, so that they have that drilled in their head of, you know, this equals I feel fabulous. And this equals I don't feel well at all, you know. But she did mm-hmm. have a critical vitamin D deficiency. So, um, you know, and so when we did some vitamin D and spending some more time outside and she started feeling much better, and I said, isn't that interesting how, you know, because they say almost 85% of children are vitamin D deficient right now. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's craziness. But the, what that can lead as far as illness is concerned so I know that, that that is part of also what you talk about. So I will just take that yeah. take that ball and run light. Let's talk about light. Yeah, the the light. I mean it's I just actually moved apartments because I came back to the city after being out east in the sun all summer and crashed and I thought, you know, I need more light in my life and just to just to balance out working on my laptop so much, but to have the eye register what's happening during the day. And just like you said, being outside, getting exposure from UVB rays that help build that vitamin D pathway. If you have a lot of inflammation from diet or from other things, then that's that's your ticket to reduce inflammation is vitamin D. And I think the best way to do it is naturally. And it's, it's concerning to me how much we push all the sunscreens because most people lotion up before they even leave the house. So they're never going to get exposed to natural sunlight. Right. Or I see kids on the beach that are just being sprayed from head to toe and, and, you know, that's also an issue because we're allowing so many chemicals in those mm. products to then be uh, absorbed into the body and the liver has to break them down. And, you know, when you really start looking for chemicals that you come in contact with, 
it's makeup and and sunscreen and right. water and toothpaste and shampoo and all these personal care products but our skin is just like a sponge meant to soak up sunlight but now it's really soaking up all these chemicals and there's always something opportunistic I've learned that will take advantage of that and so any pathogens or fungus candida those types of things that don't like the sun because it would they they try to almost scramble the sunlight. Right, right, right. Coming. Yeah, it would kill them, and they 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 scramble the sunlight as it comes in, and they try to prevent the body from making vitamin D. Um, and so now you're just helping those organisms kind of be opportunistic and overgrow in the body. Right. So that was a big and something revelation so too. simple. I mean, you probably yeah. is it something, is it fifteen fifteen minutes, and you don't even have to be standing in the direct sun. You just have to be. Is it 15 minutes that you you gain almost 50,000 IUs of, I mean, that's, you know, you talk about taking a a power dose. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, just naked skin outside, not not completely naked, but having skin exposed. (laughs) Don't scare your (laughs) neighbor. Well, I mean, I could go back to that, too. That would be great, right? I mean, even if you look at studies on topless sunbathing, you know, why is it in Europe where they have topless sunbathing, they have lower rates of breast cancer? Right, right, right. You know, that's so true. If you that's so true. if you're covering the skin, you're giving uh, organisms a place to hide, right. and so it's just very interesting when you start digging into the research and start kind of questioning the the current recommendation. Um, well, and you look at our you look at our lifestyles, and you know, uh, guilty as charged. I mean, someone go ahead. You, either one of you can put the target on my forehead. <laughs> but you know, just the, the working lifestyle inside, sitting down. You know, even our kids in a classroom. You know, they get a fifteen-minute break, thankfully. But you know, not every child goes outside, and you know, you see the the chronic illness that's that's risen with that type of lifestyle. And you know, uh, vitamin D is just sitting there going, "Hello." <laughs> you know? Did anyone think yeah, that it's easy, possible that just Take being me. outside, <laughs> right, right, could could be responsible for all of this, you know. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I've had moments of wanting to unschool and homeschool, but I'm not that organized. <laughs> so my four kids are just going to have to make it through the school system. But when you really start to understand the fundamentals of health, it makes you question why I, you know, why our kids are inside 8 hours a day. And right. You know, if they're, and then if they misbehave in any way, which my oldest is kind of prone to do because he's a little bit of a a comedian, and sometimes they'll say, Oh, he didn't have recess today. And I can't tell you how hard I come down on the school when they tell me that. I'm like, You can do anything to my child, but do not take recess away from him. He needs to move. And it's the only opportunity he has to get outside during the day and get some vitamin D. I'm like, Please. That, I just, it drives me crazy. So I feel like, you know, our our everything about our lives has changed, and I sometimes just want them to just follow me around like little ducklings and, you know, see what I do and learn how to work and interact with the world and maybe be outside. And, That's I don't what know, I do just, with my four. <laughs> yeah, so I'm so jealous. My four I would love to move down to Costa Rica. <laughs> oh, well, that's it. What's Tiff that? is in. You're in Joshua. You're, I said that's Tiff. Tiff has four. She's in. Uh, she's in Joshua Tree. I have only have two. I'm down in Costa Rica, and um, it's kind of nice because y'all are sitting here talking about you know sunlight and everything. And my kids actually are in the sun a lot. I mean, 
even just, you know, not direct sun because, you know, right. it's sunny here all the time. So I feel pretty lucky that, uh, you know, and, and they're, when they go for recess or when they, when they change classes or everything's outside. So, I mean, like there's no closed hall building. There's no, right, so they have right. to like actually go outside to get to their next room or whatever. So, so yeah, I feel pretty lucky about that. And that that's the one thing that, you know, our organics are kind of hard to come by here and add ingredients for fabulous recipes like Amy Valpone's and her, and her new yeah. book. But, but the mm-hmm. sunlight, check, I got that one. So I want to jump in one. really quick and just, and just say, um, you know, these things seem kind of simple, but I want, I, I, you know, you touched on light and, and getting sunlight and vitamin D, and I wanted to talk um, more about, I know Julie and I, Julian had written an article for us, fabulous article. Beautiful. And, oh, um, yeah, such a great, just easy, perfect article uh, about, you know, her seven kind of healing tips for, um, you know, taking care of your body. And we touched on light, but I, I do kind of want to go through all those uh, during the rest of our time. Yeah. Well, I mean, light is, a, is a, a big one and it's important and it's certainly the relationship between natural light and artificial light. But then I had this massive revelation as we started moving through the dental process process with my kids and orthodontics and all of that and I sit on the board of a charity called Epidemic Answers and on the medical board is a dentist from DC his name is James Bronson and he developed this wire that runs along the inside of the teeth um, and just puts a little pressure there in a quantum medicine type way so it's actually sending a signal to the central nervous system that promotes facial growth, but wide facial growth. Because now one of the things that I see a lot in my practice is people whose faces are long and narrow and they have high palates. Um, They have a lot of food sensitivities, but they're mouth breathers. And if they're Breathing, you know, you really should only exercise to the point where you can sustain your breathing through your nasal passage. But, I mean, how many people really do that? If you watch anybody run down, like I see people running down the West Side Highway, they're all breathing through their mouth. And that's a stress response for the body. That is like fight or flight. There must be something chasing you that you have to run so hard and so fast that you have to breathe through your mouth. That's what the brain's thinking. And I didn't... I mean, I hadn't really clued into the story, but when I started paying attention, I realized that every morning I was waking up and my tongue was bone dry and my mouth just felt horrible and my sinuses were super congested. And I assumed that that was the reason I was breathing through my mouth was that I, my, I have these terrible sinuses, right? I have this whole sinus story. I've had my sinus scrapes. I have, you know, just bum luck when it comes to sinuses but what happens is the brain isn't smart enough to differentiate between the mouth and the nose and this happens with a few things with the body where it's like if only the the brain could figure this out it would shut your mouth but the brain just registers that you're losing carbon dioxide which you store in the lungs there's only about 0.06% of carbon dioxide in the air that we breathe so what we get we get from our own storage in our in our own lungs and there's six percent oxygen in the air that we breathe so when that comes into the body it's supposed to come through the nose and it's supposed to be humidified filtered 
and mixed with nitric oxide. And it's nitric oxide in the lungs that allows hemoglobin to release oxygen to the cells and the tissues. So if we're disrupting that balance of those, those three chemicals in any way, it, it has an effect on how much, we can, how much oxygen we can really absorb. And so to protect the body, the, the brain says, well, we're losing too much CO2. We need to make congestion in the nose to hold on to that gas because it's really important. Mm-hmm. But you're breathing through your mouth. So the more you breathe through your mouth, the more congested the nose gets. So we do this thing now in, our, in my house every night before we go to bed, tape our mouth shut. And in the morning, I wake up with a like, na- clear nasal passage, and I feel amazing because all night I've been getting oxygen, whereas before I was hyperventilating all night and really struggling to get oxygen, and it wasn't allowing my body. Yeah, it's so fascinating, and that's one of the things that's um, – I've got to learn more about as I've been working with the dentists on 56th Street because dentists routinely screen for sleep apnea. And going into the the whole idea of well, why are our faces getting long and narrow? Bronson, the dentist who sits on the board of uh, Epidemic Answers and Documenting Hope Film Project, you know, has a whole webinar. If anybody wants it, just email me and I'll send it to you. It's fascinating. Um, you know, a big part of it is the nutrition that we have going into our pregnancies, whether or not we're nutritionally sound, what the fetus is taking from us and how that's guiding how that fetus will develop. But then when we start our kids on food, ideally breastfeeding for three years would help build the facial structure and the palate structure. And when you're put on a bottle, it doesn't have, it's not the same mechanism. It doesn't work the same way. So the face starts to get narrow, growing wide. And the wider your face is, the more nasal passage surface space you have to create nitric oxide. The more nitric oxide you have, the more you can bind oxygen to your cells and your tissues. So we want that and we're going in the wrong direction. We're getting narrower. And part of it is also the foods that we're eating. They're so soft. There's less chewing. There's less sucking. There's, you know, we're not really spending right. as much time eating as we would have maybe 100, 200 years ago, um, especially with the juicing and the smoothies and the little packets, the puree packets for kids. Um, you know, we really need to exercise our jaw through Right, we're bypassing the salivary and we're totally too. bypassing that <laughs> yeah and you'll see it with older people exactly like their faces really droop or now once you get you know turned on to this you'll notice that people have very foreshortened chins and there's a uh, like a double chin there that's really all of their tongue and those muscles that should have stretched out really long and forward but don't have anywhere to go so they're sitting back in the throat and that's what causes sleep apnea all of that tissue and muscle in the tongue at night when you relax that falls back into the airway and obstructs the airway. So it's a huge problem. And we're seeing more and more sleep apnea. But the fortunate thing is we can do something about it. You know, I mean, this, there's, there are some orthodontics that help, but orthodontics may not be the they may have learned something from right. ortho relapse and what went wrong with orthodontics. And now they're coming up with better solutions that really take into account 
that each tooth in your mouth plugs into the central nervous system, sends messages to the central nervous system, has to be connected to the body for health. So as we start extracting and moving teeth around and the night brace kills me when they're jamming people's jaws back into their airway. Oh, geez, um, that was just, me. <laughs> yeah, once once you get an understanding of how it really works, and I'm such a I'm such a believer in function. Like, tell me how it how it functions, and then I'll figure out how to how to treat it. Right. Well, does it does the right does the doc, uh, the dentist ever talk as well about? Um, I was very very ill with my first child, my son, and uh, his teeth are very crowded. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is they associate crowding of teeth with nutrient deficiencies. And my mm-hmm. three girls have perfectly, beautifully straight teeth that need no interference at all. It's just very interesting mm-hmm. to me how even something like nutrient deficiencies in the mom can play a role in, you know, overproduction of teeth or crowding of teeth and things like that. Mm-hmm. Does Absolutely. ever talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have some great papers on it, too, that I could send you. I mean, if you can find somebody down there, I don't know if anyone does it, but I mean, more and more people are doing this elf. Um, But really, you want to solve that problem of the teeth crowding for him naturally by opening up the jaw, by helping the, when you stimulate the the bone, it will grow, it will, um, it will move and the teeth will actually be able to fit in perfectly oh, i'm watching really? it happen now with my kids actually i've been gone oh, if for you have any articles and... or anything on that i would love that that would be that would you be can amazing. even do I it love that you can do it as an adult and i think the argument there is i mean how many older people do you see sitting in a chair with their mouth hanging open breathing through right. their nose and we think it's so cute like grandpa sleeping or whatever but I mean, downward spiraling is health right there i just want to go right. over and tape their mouth shut <laughs> Now, can, can I say for the listeners, for the listeners, Jillian, can that be dangerous for anybody? Um, you know, taping the mouth shut. Are there people that really can't do that, or is that something that um, the dentist talks about? You know, any any tips on that? He, so there's multiple ways to do it, but if you need, I've I've woken up in the morning after tape having taped my mouth and found the tape was missing. So I do know that I, if it's bothering me, I must take it off in the middle of the night. Or gotcha. um, if you if you yawn, sometimes you'll pop the tape. So it's not like a seal. It's not as right. like You're not when we see it in the movies where somebody's gagged and, <laughs> yeah, where somebody's gagged and bound. It's not like that. Um, but yeah, you know, the one caution, which I thought was kind of funny that they do give is if you've been out and you've had a couple of drinks, don't come home and tape your mouth shut. <laughs> Yeah. You know, because you, oh, you might not feel so well in the middle of the night. You might need to use your mouth. So, yeah, you know, but no, but uh, you can do a slim piece just down the middle of the mouth from like the nose to the chin. And then the two sides are open. I was doing that for a while with my kids, but then I noticed that they were cheating and breathing through the sides. So I through the sides of their now, mouth. Through the sides of their mouth. So I'm like, wait a minute. But there are studies out there that show an increase in gingivitis as well with mouth breathing because you're drying out the mouth and the immune oh, system sure. is in the saliva. And I imagine so, that yeah, can so weaken think, the enamel of the teeth. And I imagine there's, you know, you know, you enamel consequences. There's probably multiple consequences for that. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and it's funny no and, one thinks of that. No, and the thing is, once you get the gingivitis in the teeth, also that story of the nose getting congested to try to hold on to the gas. Well, when your nose is congested, then bacteria has a place to sort of settle in. 
and you can get more sinus infection. So it's really kind of a, a dual hit. It's both the cavities and the gingivitis in the mouth, but also more chronic sinusitis. You know, I read um, part of the book, um, Close Your Mouth, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. No. But I'm going to look it up. It sounds, yeah. it sounds exactly yeah. like Yeah, Close Your Mouth. Yes, it's called Close Your Mouth, and it's a it's based on some kind of method, the Boutiecko method oh, yeah. or something like that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I read it a couple of years ago, and I have consciously paid attention to keeping my mouth closed throughout the day and, and breathing through my nose. I tell my kids all the time. So it's interesting that you are uh, working with your, your dentist and all of this, and I was just kind of trying it, and, and I read the one book, and uh, and it has so much effect on our, our overall health. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's so extreme because, you know, if you have good nutrition, like you can see it with your son and your daughters, right, Donna? But if one from one pregnancy to the next, you can see how being sick or having nutrient deficiencies plays into the mouthpiece. But it's going to be harder. Like my daughter sucked her thumb, so her jaw's not in alignment anyway. So she naturally, when she goes to bed, you can just see there's this little gap between her upper lip and her lower lip. And so the the better formation we have, the better tongue placement we have, the better our lips actually close. And so I think a big problem is that our faces aren't developing the way they should. And that, of course, was the whole foundation of Weston A. Price's book and the Weston A. Price Foundation. It's like the nutrition matters because nutrition guides development. And if nutrition's not right, development won't be right. And so before we even get into nutrients now with people, I really kind of take some time during the hour in my initial evaluation watching them (laughs) and looking at their structure and sort of evaluating it to see if the first nutrient we need to get right is oxygen. Wow. That's a flower field moment for me, Tiff. What do you think? Oh, big time. I'm just just listening here. I can't wait. (laughs) I'm listening to it because these are all things that are so... Doable, simple, right. I mean, and and people, I think a lot of times people get really engrossed in, you know, the fact that healing is complex, you know what I mean, rather than than realizing that there's so much that's in our own power and things that we can do, eat well and, you know, be outside and breathe. And, you know, I mean, people, they just think it's too simple. They're like, well, that's just too simple. You're like, no, that's everything, (laughs) You know, exactly. yeah, the oxygen, it's oxygen and iron. Like you get the oxygen right for someone and if they're anemic, you get the iron right for them and you don't have to do anything else after that. Right. That is so And we are true. too reductionist. People come to me with their 21 and me, you know, snips and mm-hmm. like, can you evaluate mm-hmm. this? And I used to go down that rabbit hole with them now, but now I'm like, let's just tape your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, can you imagine they come to me because they want this answer to be And I'm like, I don't think it's that. I think you breathe through your mouth. Let's tape your mouth shut for a week and see how you feel. And then they come back in a week and they're like, you were completely right. Like, I feel like a totally different person. And I'm like, great, because right. you've been hyperventilating at, at night for eight right. hours while you were sleeping. Oh, my God. And I mean, I just have to laugh because that is just so funny. Can you imagine coming, <laughs> paying you, and living in New York and paying you money? And Listen, then, just take your mouth you know, Going home and, and, tell, and telling your mom, well, how the doctor go? You, what, you know, how, take you your mouth and go sit it. outside. Come back and eat. We'll talk. Talk. You were talking about going to see this great functional medicine doctor, and she told you to take your mouth shut? What? And sit outside. I love it. Sit outside. Structure your water. Yeah. Eat eat whole organic foods. Yeah. No, it's and so take simple. take your mouth. And, 
and I don't even think we need a lot of the supplements. I mean, I certainly don't take a lot of the supplements that I used to take, um, but although they were a great Band-Aid at the time before I figured some other big rocks out. But, yeah, I just think that we're far too reductionist, and I think that's sort of the, the beauty of how the medical world works, right? It's like, well, we can only cover what insurance will cover, and it's very right. complex. You'll never understand this. Just trust me. I'm the doctor. I'm the expert. I went to medical school for, you know, eight years. I did my residency. I specialized. I, how could you possibly know more than me, right? right. We're in that sort of right. paradigm, but I think 500 years ago, a mother would have looked at her child and known instinctively what was off because there were, there were fewer variables then you know you walk into the store now and 90 percent of the store is food-like products as michael Pollan likes to say instead of food and if you were only eating food then it would be really obvious to you what was affecting your child and there are you know there's the two sides of the autonomic nervous system so you know i wrote about nutrients too and hydration is a big one but um i'm just going to skip to nutrients real quickly because i know we're running out of time there is a diet, like the diet makes sense on the spectrum when you look at it from the from the perspective of metabolic typing the way that William Kelly and Nicholas Gonzalez did it. So there are people who literally their electrolytes will show you, their me- metabolic markers will show you that they can only eat nuts and berries and seeds and no animal products. Or there's someone like me who's on the other end of the spectrum who can, I have to have red meat three times a day in order to build muscle and feel good. Um, and then there's everybody in between. And there's sort of the sympathetic side, which tends to be what we call a more vegetarian diet, but it's an animal diet. It's chicken and fish and leaner meats and flax seeds. And then on the other side with the extreme carnivore, it really is like beef, venison, duck, goose. And if you start thinking of the globe, then you can understand, well, clearly – if I fed an Eskimo kale salad every day, they You'd would freeze him. to death. You'd kill him, right? You'd kill him. Jillian, my husband and I talk about this all the time. He's like, "What?" We say, "What about the Eskimos? They don't. They're not growing like you know kale in the snow, right? Right, right. Exactly. They and have even to seasonal eat eating, protein, seasonal and eating, fat. And so, and we've replaced a lot of our need for fat with a thermostat and polar tech jackets and you know we have some homes with heating we have some comforts now that allow us to be a little slack because we don't feel it as quickly but i think our bodies feel it our brains feel it i think the low fat you know you can really kind of look at the trend between the low fat diet and alzheimer's and things like that so fat has a very supportive role in the body which i had to learn the hard way um you know, it, it really builds your endocrine system. It builds your ability to handle stress. And so in some situations, it's appropriate to have a ketogenic diet. And in other situations, it's not. And Nicholas Gonzalez really did the work to figure out, what, after working with Kelly, who had really typed it all out, that if you had like a heart cancer, like prostate or breast cancer, then you needed a lighter diet. You, and if you had a blood cancer like Hodgkin's, you really fell into like the red meat camp. And certainly you would want to get whatever tumor, active cancer you had under control 
before you started adding a ton of uh, protein back into your diet because the enzyme that we use, the pancreatic enzyme that we use to break down immunocomplexes is the same one that we use to break down protein and animal proteins. So, you know, there's, there's, and they, there's a whole book on that, the trophoblastic um, origins of cancer and looking at the placenta as the first experience we all have with cancer. Um, and, the can, and that placenta grows until the day that the pancreas develops and starts releasing enzymes, and then the enzymes stop the growth of the plant, placenta. So it's kind of interesting. So we all start with this connection to cancer, and that's what's replicating in the body under the right circumstances. Tissue is exposed to estrogen. It's dysregulated, a dysregulated stem cell that thinks that it needs to grow a placenta. There's not enough um, pancreatic enzymes to keep it in check, and it grows, and you get a tumor. So it's very interesting. Just We're not talking about this stuff in general. Hey, walk into your doctor for an annual physical. They're not really concerned about how well your pancreas is releasing enzymes, but that's really part of the equation. Um, Huge. If you're eating... Huge. If you're eating processed right. foods and you, they're devoid of enzymes and you're not supplementing with enzymes, then it is the job of your pancreas solely to break down all that food. And that's not the way we genetically were engineered. We were engineered to rely on the enzymes in the food to help us break it down. I'm just shaking my head yes. This is a flower field moment. This whole, this it's section. a huge flower field moment. We have, it is. We we say this. We started on one of our shows. I don't know if you've heard or not us talk about sour field moments, but it's when you just have to sit and not say anything and just absorb what the guest just said because everything so you said is resonating yeah. with me and it's in my brain and I, it's just floating around in there. I just need to like hold on to it and not say anything else, or at least I right. did a couple seconds ago. <laughs> well, and so how does this all relate back to Hashimoto's and to the thyroid issues? Well, when you have these two branches of your autonomic nervous system, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic, if you start, and you also have your nor- neural hormonal, which is that HPA access. If you're not properly um, supported with nutrition, then you can burn out and your your adrenals, and then you start running on the neural hormonal axis, and not you have no flexibility to go back and forth between your sympathetic and parasympathetic um, nervous system, and that's not sustainable. That's not how the body was created. So we get a whole cascade of symptoms and diseases that comes about when that happens. And I think from the minute, it's almost like having a toddler, right? From the minute that kid gets up from the time they go to bed, they're trying to kill themselves all day long. And when you really understand nutrition and function and how to support the body, you realize from the minute we're born until the time we die, we're really trying to kind of like end our life quickly by all these things that we're doing that are so fun, right? Like, woo, it's really amazing to, you know, go go out to dinner in New York City and have these amazing meals and to get a nice bottle of wine and... Um, to run marathons and and all of these different things, all these different stressors or, you know, work really hard and build up our careers and all of these things. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like the body internally is just doing this amazing juggling act, doing the best it can with what it's given in the circumstances. And then we start to see the breakdown and then we 
that's where we get into the conversation about Hashimoto's. But what's scary is, like you were saying about your daughter, it's happening to our kids now. Right. And it didn't used to be that way. No. No, it didn't. It's moving too quickly. You know, I'll never forget several years ago when I read that this is the first generation of children that is not expected to outlive their parents. And I thought that is just, that should just scare everybody to death. I mean, I, I can't imagine anything more devastating in, in life than losing one of my children. And, uh, you know, but then you see it, you know, vitamin D, they're inside, they're sedentary, they're, you know, um, and it's a recipe. It's a recipe for disaster. They're not eating well. Mm-hmm. They're eating boxed foods. Everybody's eating on the run. No one's sitting down, you know, taking their time and, you know, my husband and, you know, their Sunday dinners that, you know, took two hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just no one's doing that anymore. I mean, I, I, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, maybe it was two years ago, I have bad timelines, but um, we, my husband showed me this article that said um, the impressive results or whatever of sitting down, you know, make sure you sit down and eat one meal I don't yeah. know, was it a day One or a day week with your, with your children? And I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's absurd yeah. that nobody eats together anymore. But when you think kids got to get off to school, you know, so no one eats breakfast together. You're not eating lunch together because they're at school. And then, you know, dinner a lot of times, parents will work late or kids are, you know, um, still doing practice. homework. Right, yeah. soccer practice. I mean, that whole thing, right, sports. Just let's start with sports and dance in my family how that, yeah. you know, throws everything off kilter as far as eating together. But, you know, it was talking about the improvement of, of you know, happiness in children and, and just simple things that people don't register as part of their health regimen anymore. It's it's uh, it's craziness. It's, and it's such it's a crazy, like, busy lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, it's so and as true. we say, it's a crazy, crazy, you know, lifestyle, and people are running around, you know, um, Jillian, I know you want to talk about a little bit about movement and stuff, and that kind yeah. of movement I don't think is a movement that we're that we're thinking of, right? right? Right. No, I mean it's sort of gentle movement. I mean I think you know we you can test people for heart rate variability when they're banging it out on the gym or doing marathons or triathlons or whatever they're doing, and then they think they're so healthy, but they're really overtraining. Right. So I think you know just being able uh, one of the things I love about being in New York City is that I can walk everywhere and I just got a like a scooter I feel like a 12 year old but I've lived here for almost 20 years and I've never succumbed to the scooter but now I'm like wow this is great it's fun you know I mean there's the city bike program now so you can bike around the city but um, if I lived outside of the city I would be completely sedentary (laughs) I'm not a big fan of working out to begin with but it's important to just stimulate the detox pathways to stimulate the endorphins, but not to overdo it. Um, and I just want to go back and touch on the <clears throat> on the meals. It is so important that sense of community that you have when you sit down with people, and you have with your family, with your friends, and you share a meal together. And I know that, like, as we start bringing our kids up through the elementary years, we, they try to replicate that in school. You know, there's the snack time, and everybody sits and has snacks together, and it's a nice, relaxed moment. I don't always love the snacks that they're having, but, um, you know, at least we're sort of capturing that moment. 
Um, and in, in the other countries, I think they have longer breaks for lunch. I mean, I remember certainly doing back-to-back in France when I was about 10 years old and going and staying with a French family. And they had a two-hour break in the middle of the day. And the kids went home. And there was a hot lunch on the stove. And they had lunch at home with their family. That was my, my husband is Yugoslav, and that's a, a very, you know, he used to spend the summers in, in Yugoslavia, and, you know, just the meals and the breaks and, you know, uh, even working, you know, his grandfather was a baker, and they would close and come home for dinner, and then they would go back and reopen, you know, for two hours after dinner. You know, it's just such a, where your work schedule, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculously profound but and so simple, but their work schedule went around their family, not the other way around, right. you know. And, yeah. you know, his grandma That's lived fabulous. till 100. She walked, Imagine. you know, she walked to the grocery store every day. And, you know, we just need to shake up and, and you know, listen to these things. We don't, everyone's just so, it's like a rat wheel. And everyone is so yeah. busy working and trying to make money and everything else is passing us by. Our families, our marriages, our lives are, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, and when Cheryl Sandberg's husband passed so suddenly, they had just written about how they both made a point to go home and have dinner with their family. And I thought, wow, you know, that's time that I'm sure she's so glad she had now. Wow. You know, but my father, my dad's office was five minutes from the house, and he came home every night. We had dinner at 7. We all had a place at the table. And he would never have thought of working late and going and getting a meal somewhere else because my mother made dinner every night. You know, it just would not have made sense to my dad to go spend money on food by himself when my mom was at home feeding us every day. Like that. So there you go. That's your, that's your, that's your, that's your happy moment for your mom when, when she gets down about you, you know, talking about some of the things (laughs) that she did to make your life, you know, healthy. But mom, you were so great. You you made dinner every night, and we were all around the table. And you don't even realize how important that is, mom. So see, there's really great things you did too. (laughs) We had one good meal a day, and it was always dinner. Right, right. We had bologna and wonder bread, and yeah. But dinner, my mother did, and my mother was really good at rotating foods too. So I have that in my mind. Like you can't eat the same thing every night for dinner. So I never, I never did the chicken nuggets with my kids. I just, I'm. I was a foodie anyway. Um, it just took me a while to get rid of the most inflammatory foods long enough for us to be able to tolerate them in small amounts now. Um, but, yeah, when when you're eating eggs and milk and soy and dairy and wheat every day for, at every meal, it really adds up. But right. once you really bring your diet back around to a whole foods diet, you can open – you can be a little – like with my kids, I'm a little less strict with what they eat. If they want to have an ice cream cone with their friends, that's fine with me. I'm not the gluten Nazi. But um right. but they also know. like a ninety ten, Jillian, is it like a ninety ten or a ninety five five or Yeah, I really like I make their lunch, I make their breakfast, I make their dinner and then everything else is fair game. I also had to give up a lot of control when I got divorced because they don't follow any of my <laughs> On the other of course side, they so. don't. Of course they don't. When they're with when, when they're with your uh, ex-husband, of with course they Captain, don't, right? Yeah, at Captain's at Captain Fun's house, it's a totally different ballgame, which is great, you know, because that's life. That's real right. life, right? They're gonna they they know how much they can handle. They know how it makes them feel, and um, you know, it's funny the symptoms that they do have, and and they've got to learn to put up with it the way they'll put up with it, you know. 
So how old how are they? Old are, how old are your children? My son is ten, and my daughter's nine. So they're starting to be a little more independent. And in New York City, there's a bodega on every corner, and they have their pocket money. So uh, my sitter will report that, like, you know, sometimes they're sneaking a little more than they probably should. But but sometimes they have symptoms and sometimes they don't, you know. So it's hard to hard to hard kind to of say. pinpoint what, yeah, right, what it is. Right, right. My daughter kept getting this weird rash all winter. I don't know. But it happened every time she had wheat. So I was like, well, then stop having wheat, dummy. Right. <laughs> right. That seems right. easy. Right. That seems That's like taping your mouth shut, you know. I'm like, I think we can, I think we can solve this one. <laughs> and that's like my daughter. She looks like she has the, the lupus rash on her cheeks every time she eats dairy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy. You know, and now it's, it's you know, it's just so very obvious that, that, uh, you know, she's like, oh, but mom, I love dairy. I'm like, well, you know, honey, that's, you know, you have yeah. to make that choice. When it's a very diff- to- Parenting is so difficult, you know. It's so hard. Yeah. It is. It's all, it it's is. Give and take. I figure all, the time. all I'm doing take. is, yeah, I'm giving them the framework, and because I have control of it now, I'm taking full advantage of that. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner is oh, the healthiest meal right. that they could possibly get. And right. then, yeah. And then everything else, I just give it up to God and bless it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I know from my own experience that, like, you do kind of fall back on what you were taught growing up because when you have kids, that's what your experience is, what you know. So hopefully when they get older and have kids, they're going to revert back to, oh, this is what I should do. You know, I should be feeding them whole foods and processed foods, blah, blah, blah. It'll and kick in. That's, of, that's what I'm telling myself. I'm telling myself right, it will kick in. That's part of growing. That's my <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody yeah. has to go through their rebellious phase. Some, you know, some is much less than others, and you know, but uh, inevitably they come around. I, I think it's almost a, a, just a process of life where, you know, then when you have your own children, you have a whole different view of your parents. You know. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's much more appreciative of things that they did. It may not have been right information, but it was for the right reason because that kind of information wasn't available to them back then. You know, I mean, right. um, you know, and of course for, for my my mom was much older. So for, for her, the generation of the boxed foods coming in, it was like, oh, the time I could save, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, now we're going back <laughs> and we're actually showing oh, that same pattern, you know where we're going back to the way that it was because, you know, now we miss all of that, you know, and yeah, like being able this, to control the ingredients. I've had this uh, argument, you know, not argument, but conversation with um, very successful people who work in Manhattan who bill out at a certain amount per hour, and they're like, you want me to stop working and lose two or three more hours of, of billable time and go home and cook when I can just go – to the bodega salad bar and get food for my family. And these are well-educated, intelligent people, but they're looking at it from the economic standpoint of it doesn't make sense for me to cut my day off early to go home and cook. Right. Which brings me to your next point. (laughs) I don't know if you can tie that in with the whole love thing, but, you know, um, the registration of, you know, my husband totally registers love by by cooking. It's something that triggers from his grandma, mm-hmm. you know, um and and 
tell us a little bit about that. So I think the biggest nutrient there is self-love. And if you have self-love, you get, you know, it's really the feel-good hormone. It's the opiate effect, but in the positive way, the way that it's meant to be used. Because love really builds your immune system and fear and anger and, and, and doubt and anxiety, they all kind of break it down. Um, it's the oxytocin pathway that we should be utilizing when we're in the hospital giving birth, but they give us Pitocin, right? So right. the Pitocin doesn't have the same chemical bonding effect. So you can have that sort of, you can build that up first by really loving yourself. And I think that's a huge area that most people, especially women, need to work on um, because we are so good at comparing ourselves and tearing ourselves down and not believing in ourselves. And it's really scary to kind of have to put yourself out there every day. Well, and guilty guilty as charged not so much from comparing myself to other people, but because I always think of others first, you know, for children, my husband, my clients, you know, it's very difficult to stop and say, this is really important. You know, this is the, of paramount importance. You know what I mean? I think women yes. by nature, you know, have somewhat of a caring for others, you know, and sort of putting themselves Absolutely. on the back burner, you know? Absolutely. And you see that, a lot of t- I see that a lot of times when parents come in for their children and I say, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, you got to start with you. Because uh, if I can't get it right for you, it's not going to trickle down. And if you think child and try to do something different for the, than what you're doing for the rest of the family for this child, it's not, gonna, it's not sustainable. Right, they're going to learn so from watching that's you. That's not going to stick, stick, right? That's right. Yeah. It's not going to stick. Totally. <laughs> No it's not stick. So it's got to it's got to start from the top down, and it's got to be a loving initiative. It can't be, it can't come from a place of no militants. <laughs> yeah, no militants there. Although in my house sometimes it's a little. No. I, I'm just. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I love you so much. This is all I made tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what we're having. But yeah, even for me, I, it's actually the, the the work of changing my diet and, and addressing all these issues and and really getting healthy has made my psyche so much healthier. Like I have a much healthier view of the world. I have a much healthier view of myself. I have a much healthier relationship with with friends and and just it's and my family. It's just very interesting and you can kind of find those people you can just see it from a mile away right when someone's stuck and you just want to love them yes you can which time you know and that didn't used to be me that's a huge i used that's a that's a door crack to community you know uh yeah i don't know where i would be without you know my my thyroid community there's so much love and understanding and so tell us about community Oh, my gosh. I mean, your thyroid community is just the absolute best example there is, right? How many of us were struggling and looking for this sense of community before the Internet, before Facebook, before the blog, and really kind of sticking to ourselves and sticking to the few people we knew because it was too scary to try to put ourselves out there and say, I have this disease, but I've heard that I can do something other than take medicine to heal and then be told by everybody that you kind of throw that out to, no, 
that's crazy. Why would you want to do that, right? So if we can't find the support in our day-to-day, it's amazing the support that we've been able to find online. It really is, really, because there are communities. These people, you don't, you've never met them, and then you, you feel like you're so close to them, and they're helping you, and they understand you. It's a, it's a fantastic feeling, and it's a, it's a great sense of like community and everybody together, like even all the groups. And then when you go meet them in person, it's even better. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's, how my, that's how I can't remember how Amy and I met. Now that I'm thinking about, oh, Amy and I met. Oh, at community, we we're both going. We met at the functional forum. Christmas party and I love James Maskell and I love what he's done with evolution of medicine in the functional forum. Uh-huh. It's given me a community in Manhattan that meets every month and now he's oh, on cool. the road of it, not doing it in Manhattan as much anymore, but was just here. All the practitioners get together. There's a topic. We listen to it. And that's how I met Amy Valpone. And I met Kelly Brogan, who I adore, um, who just came out with her book, A Mind Great of Your book. Own. Oh, yes. Yep. It's an oh, amazing yes. oh, yes. book about all of this stuff that we're talking about um, and really taking back control of your health. But I met her because somebody sent me an article that she had written, and I just called her up because we're both in Manhattan, and I said, I want to meet you because you might be the only other person in Manhattan who gets me. <laughs> right. And so we ended up oh, great. Having, having like a three-hour conversation one afternoon, and now we're just, you know, uh, good. she's a great resource for me and a good friend, and I'm just so proud of her. I'm so proud of the book. But, you know, having fi- finding my tribe and right. learning yeah. from my tribe has been huge. Um, and for some people, it's the school community when they have kids, or for other people, it's their career you know, whatever it is that you're into and you're passionate about, finding the people who share that and who support you and, you know, who appreciate you. I think you, support is a huge term on that one because there are a lot mm-hmm. of tribes out there that may not necessarily support you. <laughs> yeah. You know, there may be a lot of negativity or guilt on things. Yeah. Right? So finding the right tribe or your tribe, like you say, is, you know, for support is, is key. It's out there. Well, I think the paradigm is shifting a little bit too. Um, you know, if you take the music industry, there you used to have a record label represent you, right? And that was very competitive because everybody was vying for those record labels to represent them, and it, was, it would just make make or break their career. But just yesterday, a platform launched called Love Back, where you can actually connect to your community, and they can support you directly. And so I think there's this big <clears throat> this big shift in humanity where instead of working against each other, we're now kind of trying to create this community that will support one another. And I think that's a different understanding. I certainly see that happening more and more within like functional medicine and other places where you would think people would be very competitive and try to hold on very tightly to their knowledge and their space. But instead, it's it's more of like opening it up and sharing the information and sharing clients and sharing different perspectives with the goal of helping everyone any way we can, you know, right. instead of just, oh, this is only for people Why who can afford the highway? it. Or this. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting, but it's like, you know, really to make everybody healthier, we have to start with each individual to make the world healthier. We have to make each individual healthier. 
Right. And like you said, even oh, with I diet, there are things that are, are good for some people, not so good for other people. And so there is no one answer. It, it fits all for everybody to healing. Right. right. Yeah, because everyone's story is different. Everyone's genetics play a different role. Um, but they have that support piece, and everybody has a different level of support. And you can almost tell immediately when I meet with, like, a, a couple the couples that are going to do really well because they're both on the same page versus the couple where the right. guy was just dragged in. Right. You know, right. I don't really want to be here, but she told me I had to come. <laughs> I think all of this is nonsense. Right. I don't it really is, want to spend it is important. Yeah. Right. That's a love language. That's, That's a story for a whole other show. <laughs> Yeah, speaking the same love language in a couple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I was getting divorced, going over all the stuff with my son and like bone broth and everything, Beth Lambert, who wrote, who's the head of Epidemic Answers, and she wrote the book A Compromised Generation, was like always saying how she and her husband used to make bone broth and do all these things together. And I'm like, that's possible. That's a reality. <laughs> you can wow. have that. <laughs> like that's right. crazy. My ex-husband would never have you know, come home and made bone broth with me. And maybe that's why it's my ex-husband. But, um, but you know, it's crazy. I, I realize, you know, we really need to know ourselves and find the people who will support and play the game that we want to play because life is so much more rewarding when we have that community. So that's a big piece. That's a huge piece of the puzzle. But I think that really starts with the self-love and loving others and, and really having that sort of feel-good mentality to tap into your community because nobody wants the negative Nelly. It's going to be hard to build your community if you're Debbie Downer and the negative Nelly and all of that. So you have to really do the work on yourself first. Well, you've given us lots of great simple tips today (laughs) and I so much appreciate it because you laid it all out in such a easy to follow and, and, you know, relatable way. And that's why I love the article. You know, the article is very similar. Um, you know, it's just do some things that you can do, right? The, easy, breathe and and uh, light, go outside and get some sun and eat good and stay well hydrated and, you know, love yourself. And I just I, I just resonated with your article and I thank you so much. I, I didn't expect the article and I didn't expect the show to go this way today. But I knew we had a connection just from the very beginning when we first touched base, and I'm thrilled Aww. to to get to know you and to have had you on the show today because it's just been a blast. Thank you. I really appreciate being here, and I just love you guys. I love everything you do. I love your articles, and it's just been great being here and being included. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Well, and when Tiff and I come to New York, you better watch out. Yes. I'll be Please part come. of your tribe. <laughs> Come, please. We can, we can be yes. part of your tribe. Absolutely. <laughs> you come on a weekend when my kids aren't here, you can stay with me. <laughs> you know, oh, I that's have to great. Out to people. I'm like, come stay with me, but you have to do it on a weekend when my kids aren't here because I live in New York City and our, my apartment is so small. But, yes, I would love that. Love to host people. Okay, well, next time <laughs> I, I um, email and say, which weekend is yours, then you'll know I'm planning a trip. So watch out. Oh, my God. I will take you to all of my and favorite it, little spots too, and see the the healthy spots. And in New York. you know, and the well, uh, my, invitations that's open one of my bucket. Too. So we that's on my bucket Rica. list. Rockefeller Center Please. for winter ice skating. It is. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, and when they do the tree lighting, you can actually watch from one of the restaurants in Rockefeller Center, so you're nice and warm and inside, <gasps> not in the crowd. If you're if you know where to oh, go, that's kind of cool. Can, 
sit there and so have gotta, a nice place. you got to know the right yeah. people. I love right. it. I love <laughs> it. Talk to when to make your reservation and all that, yeah. But, no, New York is wonderful. I have to say I'm very, as much as New York would seem like, you know, toxic, crazy, stressful, it's also beautiful because we do have the numbers to get some of the some of this healthy stuff in, like the Union Square farm market, farmer's market, which is one of the best in the world. So, you know, as much as we have the pollution and some of the craziness that comes along with living here, we also get that that other stuff delivered right to our door, which is amazing, which I think Amy right. said on hers. She was yes, like, I don't know what I'm did. having for dinner. We I'm just going to have them deliver something. <laughs> right? Isn't that fabulous? Okay, so before we let you go, we want to we want to know what you, what's on your menu or um, what you had this morning. So before we let you go, we got to know. Okay, so I fell in love with this butcher in the West Village, Hudson and Charles. They were two fat, sick vegetarians that um, started eating meat and became so passionate about the change in their health that they opened the shop, which just which only sources locally, like Pennsylvania and upstate New York, and sometimes have to send telegrams to these farmers to get their product. But uh, oh, they make great. a breakfast sausage that um, we do. If we don't do their breakfast sausage, we do their bacon, um, which has so much amazing fat. And it's like the first time I did it, I actually set the kitchen on fire. <laughs> I never cooked bacon <laughs> with so much natural fat in it before. I didn't know what oh, I was God. doing. This is like there is a switch when you start eating real food, like, um, so we normally either have that or we have steak and eggs. And then for lunch, we do um, like a cod chowder or um, mm. type of meatball thing or just um, ground beef and gluten-free pasta. Sometimes I'll do for the kids. And for dinner, you know, we'll do lamb or duck or something, always with some type of vegetable, broccoli, cauliflower, sauteed. I love doing roasted fennel. Um, mm. sometimes if we had a busy that day, but good. don't eat a lot. Yeah. Roasted. I do a roasted butternut squash soup with a little bit of ginger. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I'm cooking all day. Like every day when my sitter shows up, she looks at the kitchen and she's like, I know she's just like, again, really? There's <laughs> <laughs> just, just a stack full of every pan. I've never, I'm, I'm trying, I'm working on one pot meals now to just kind of save everybody the, the manual labor, but yeah, I do. I cook every day and it's, and I, my type, I have to have some type of meat and I really honestly notice a difference in my muscle tone, my energy, my sleep, everything. So I know that uh, it's probably still in our heads to think it's counterintuitive to eat so much red meat, but it seems to be working for me. So. Well, good. And That's, amen to that. Yeah. It seems to be working for me, yes. and that is Thank so exactly. very important. Yeah. Yep. Well, okay. So, yeah, and I'm Thank very religious so about much. bedtime too. Sorry, That's just the last thing I'll throw in oh. there. But we do oh, have a yes. bit kind of keep to our schedule, keep to that schedule. So, good food, sleep, all of that, everything we talk uh, about, and a, <laughs> and and a schedule for bed, and we kind of do too, you know. Um, it's important, so I uh, I totally agree with that. Tiff? Yep. You? Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. <laughs> okay. Jillian. All right. Love you, ladies. You are Thank adorable you. Thank and you. fabulous, and we can't wait to meet you in person. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I know I say it all the time, but she's amazing.
Oh my god! Amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, could just she really hit. Some, she hit some on some key points that were really novel and and not well not novel but for some people novel, big. You yeah. know the breathing. It's such a big with your mouth closed. You know we always say don't forget to breathe or breathe with your mouth closed. That's a really big deal. So I honestly that really think I honestly me. think her six things that is the key. Those are the key. Seven. Key to healing. Seven. Light, breath, hydration, nutrients, movement, love, and community. That's huge. I do too. Right? That'll trump medication every single day of the week unless there's, yes. you know, tissue destruction. But unless there's something. every single day of the week. So for those to find Jillian, and also you can schedule a consultation with her, uh, is at Jillian Byrne. Spelled just like it sounds, J-I-L-L-I-A-N-B-U-R-N-E.com. And she has an amazing blog. You can schedule a consultation with this amazing woman. And uh, who's going to tape your mouth shut? I, I love that. I was going to say, I love who's going to you to tape your mouth shut? <laughs> In fact, she would probably even just agree with this. Before you go see her, tape your mouth shut for a little while and then go see her, right? Right, or if you've listened to the show, when you meet her, just tape your mouth shut and walk in there. It'll be great. That would be great. So funny, but. <laughs> and she does Skype. She does in person. Just very cool, very cool. So Skype, too. I know lots of people ask for um, for Skype availability because it's something that you may want to see that you can't really get out there. Uh, so JillianBurn.com, and uh, amazing, amazing. She's an amazing woman. Hmm. Love it. Are you still with me? No, oh my I'm goodness. Here. Can you hear me? Oh, there I can hear you now. I was like, oh, okay, well I'm going to close without her at <laughs> first. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I just uh, wanted to thank our listeners and I wanted to tell everybody um, to please send in your thyroid thriver story. It helps others. It makes them you know, not feel so alone. I can't tell you how many times I get emails from people saying, you know, I read this story and you know, that's the same thing that happened to me, and I had no idea it was so common. And, you know, and then they'll ask questions about it, and I just love that. That's one of the, you know, fun things that we have on Thyroid Nation, and I need to do more of the thyroid stories. I actually have several pending that are that are ready to go up, so so be look on the lookout for those, and uh, be sure to send in your story. Very, very cool. Also, be sure to check out our new skin and thyroid care line. And one thing I really want to mention really quick, because uh, Jillian spoke about sunscreens and uh, skin care and things like that, we want to be really careful that we understand the phototoxicity of certain citrus essential oils that go on your face when you're out in the sun, because uh, they will increase the sun's uh, phototoxic potential. So uh, none of those are in the uh, Thyroid Nation uh, essentials line, just as a note, but something to really be aware of in your cosmetics and your uh, skin care uh, is uh, citrus, phototoxic citrus essential oils, sweet orange, which is not one of them. But anyways, I uh, just wanted to throw that in there. But Dana and I created this line with love and light for all thyroid thrivers uh, to provide a clean, synthetic-free, fabulously simple, beneficial skin care that is tailored with essential oils specifically to help with issues known to thyroid patients. So please check it out. Products like Brain Awake Inhaler, Mist Me, Call Me Pretty Complexion uh, Serum, Love Potion, which is a wonderful massage oil, 
counting sheep, helpful for sleeping. Uh, Speak your truth, which is a wonderful roll-on for thyroid and thymus support. I just did um, it. And, I just did and, it just now. <laughs> did you? All right. I did, I did the. I did the flower field on my face this morning when I woke up because I needed a flower field moment real quick. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, please be sure to check out our uh, our line at thethyroidnation.com. And make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We very much appreciate it. We're on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff, so just check it out. And Dana and I want to remind you, as always, that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Please be sure to always listen to your own body. You've got this beautiful built-in diagnostician that is so unique to you. Be mindful of what it is telling you. Absolutely. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringa Tica from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Maladnich of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. Have a lovely day.